Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast was produced by Case for Kids, the division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Welcome back for part two of my two-part interview with my guests, Julia Gabor and Michelle Pena with Kid Grit. During this episode, you will hear our ongoing discussion concerning the importance of students being resilient and having what is known as grit. This is a continuation of our previous interview, so it will already be in progress. You know, it's interesting. I know, uh, Julia, you touched on it that this current generation, I have two teenage daughters. Um, the way they do certain things and so on is a little bit different, especially with technology. And I remember when my youngest, she was in elementary and we had a rule that um, when they got home, you know, change your clothes, start your homework, and then you can, you know, do other things, talk to your friends and, and, and so on. And one day I come home from work and my youngest daughter was on her phone. And I'm, I asked her, I said, did you do your homework? And she said, I'm working on it now. And I'm thinking, well, how are you working on it now? And you're on the phone. <laughs> and basically what her and some of her classmates did was create a FaceTime call that was a study group. And so they were actually studying. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is a different world. And I think even post-COVID. Um, a lot of places are having a difficult time having um, keeping employees or even getting new employees because people adjusted to remote working and learning and all of that kind of stuff. And so we're, we're constant in this flux right now of adjusting to some changes that are occurring. But at the same time, the how we treat each other, the relationships we build and all of that, be it in person, like we're having this interview, one in California, you're in Houston, right, Michelle? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and I'm in Houston. And so we're still able to actually have this this interview, even though we're in separate spots. Um, and the world is going to probably continue to uh, go in that direction. Yeah. Um, I know, something, you um, Mike, if you don't mind, something that is really poignant about this shift. You know, we went virtual very quickly, you know, at the start of the pandemic. You know, some of us were dabbling in virtual training and, you know, uh, meetings and things like that, not so much in education. And then that forced us to do that. And, you know, for two years, for some, that's what we were doing with, with the students. And now that we're post pandemic, everybody was, has been rushing to go back the way it was, do things the way we used to do it. And, and I think it was revealed that a lot, you know, what was working in the past wasn't working for everyone. And I just find it interesting that we're so quick to go back the way it was rather than build on the opportunity and take what really worked and run with it and keep going forward rather than going backwards. So that's, but that's that mind, that mindset that a lot of us have. We want to go back to what we knew. We want to go back to the familiar, but that's not there anymore. We, the, the kids that are you know, they've opened up, you know, they've taken off their blinders, like Julia had said, you know, they are, they've embraced technology, you know, they're using it. And, you know, for us older generations, um, you know, we need to have that same mindset of moving forward. 
Oh my gosh, now I have to say something else. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, it reminds me also, um, you know, I'm always a student myself. And uh, every time I go to a conference, I try to go see other people speak. Uh, and I saw a keynote of a beautiful, I want to say like Native American priestess who's also around our age. And she was sharing a message about how her tribe um, really understands that pain is change and that in order for one thing to happen the other thing has to happen so that you know she said things like you know look at our look at our people and how we were on a reservation where they have um a casino and say that's not what we thought we were going to do a hundred years ago but those were our options. And so now by employing our own people and creating, you know, a place for people to have, you know, education and um, a place to go to work, we are shifting with what's happening to, you know, the the world and where we've been where we've been put. Um, I don't know if that's making sense, but she was saying there is a positive out of change, even if it's painful. And so when Michelle says things, you know, about we're trying to go back to where we were, I think of that keynote and thinking, you know, this is an opportunity to build from what we've learned and adapt. And, you know, this woman also said, you know, the bubonic plague wiped out, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And then we learned science so that it wouldn't happen again. And she said, and we survived. Clearly, we have survived. So to look back at history, to understand that when, you know, pain comes or current events that shake the world, there is possibility for growth afterwards. And it was a very powerful message. I certainly don't do it justice. Um, but that's a really good point. Thanks for saying that, Michelle. Sure. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Ma sorry, Mike, if we like just went off no, on no, a No, 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 no. Actually, as, you know, as we can continue to talk, uh, I definitely want to invite you both again, uh, because there's so many different issues that you're addressing. And, you know, how do we get this message, or at least the thought, I think once you plant the thought in people's minds, then hopefully actions will follow. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next question. Explain how your services available to adults, both parents and educators, complement the training given to students. Sure, I can um, take the parent piece. So, you know, Julia had mentioned the our kid grit curriculum was the, the foundational piece of what we do, and then everything kind of built around it. And um, it originally started um, for sixth through 12th grade, and then quickly, you know, partners said, um, no, we need this for elementary. And so there's an elementary and even a preschool version of the curriculum. So it's been modified. And then, you know, just then naturally it grew, um, oh, adults need this. And um, Julie can speak a little bit more on that piece, um, taking the mindfulness, the SEL work, and then, okay, let's create something for adults. Um, and then, you know, that just kind of evolved into parents um, because even within the curriculum, there are some components for take home activities, um, you know, engaging the families, the uh, action projects at the end, the culminating mastery of learning. You know, a lot of times, we, you know, we see those projects being shared with the families, um, you know, of the students who are a larger audience. 
And so it's like, okay, well then let's get the parents involved in this conversation. Instead of just them hearing bits and pieces of what the kids are doing, then let's bring in some sessions for the families. And so we actually um, have a session for the families, um, both English and Spanish that we facilitate. And that is, you know, sharing with the families, letting them walk through the, one of the, the tools, it's called the holistic wellness wheel. And, you know, just inviting them to take a look at themselves and where they are. So it's the same activity that their students are doing, but it's now let's look at you as a person. Um, we also have a version of that tool that's about family. And it's actually something that the parents or grandparents or whoever the guardian is um, to walk through, but then also take that, that exercise and that activity and do it as a group with the whole family unit. So with the kids, with, you know, the generations, and it's a, a great way to, you know, spark conversation, to explore different things, um, set goals for the family as, as a whole. Um, and then we also have some, some time that we spend with them on habits. Um, you know, okay, what do we want to change? How do we, how do we change our habits? Um, whether as an individual as a, or as a family unit, um, and then also give them some ideas on how to express gratitude to change the mindset of themselves or, you know, again, for the family. Um, and then also just some other exercises and activities to, to introduce them to, um, breath, you know, regulation, self-regulation, self-awareness. So a lot of fun activities that, you know, we've picked, um, out that, you know, work well with students, but then also, you know, are easy to implement for parents as well. And I think there, um, one of the th ideas is that we didn't want there to be a disconnect in the learning. If the educator was working in programs or classrooms with these philosophies um, that parents, it wasn't foreign to them. It didn't make them feel uncomfortable. Um, and everything that we've created has basically come organically by request. Like Michelle said, we started with a six through 12 curriculum. And then um, our partner said, hey, do you have this for K3? Or, um, you know, do you have anything for parents? Because these tools that you're giving would be great for our communities. They have never learned it before and it would help all of us. And so it's been by request rather than, oh, we have a strategic plan to create something for da, da, da. Like that's not how it has happened so far for KidGrid. Um, our work is so dynamic and authentic and useful, practical, and not off-putting that our partners come in with ideas and we say, well, we don't have that yet, but we'll create it for you. And that's been a super successful model for this kind of young, you know, startup. We're only four and a half years old and um, growing strong. We do offer something for everyone. Um, so for youth, we now have curriculum kind of pre-K through 12. We have an activity guide for SEL and kind of movement activities for summer only, but now they're using it during the school day also because they're so fun and they're good icebreakers and brain break to get them out of the study mode for a second, refresh their minds, move their bodies around come back and be able to focus again. Um, we then for educators, we offer a professional development, which started around the curriculum. But again, based on, you know, Jeffrey's experience in holistic health and wellness, how do we take care of the educator first so that they are feeling 
also uh, refreshed and excited and mindful and regulated to walk into a classroom. We were doing this um, prior to COVID. And then when COVID hit, this kind of amazing thing happened where they said, oh my gosh, we know you do this work. Can you do it for my staff? Because we're all in different buildings and nobody knows what's going on and they're very anxious. And, you know, you're doing the work. Can you help us? And we created a series of um, professional developments over Zoom where we were meeting once a week with staff and we were giving them self, um, say self-help, but new regulatory um tools and homework in accountability groups so that they were working with each other outside of class on Zoom, texting each other updates on, I'm eating better today. I did a lot of breathing today. I learned how to meditate for three minutes today. And they were cheering each other on. And so every week we would come back. What did you do differently this week? How are you managing yourself in this very unpredictable and painful time? And we were having these really painful, authentic, and awesome conversations. There were breakout rooms, tears, collaboration, team building. It was it was a kind of magic moment in the history of our company. And that is still happening. Um, not as immediate like the need. We've gone back to academic, academic, testing, testing. But for those people and organizations that were with us then, they still come back to us. Our partnerships are usually between two and three years long because we keep reinventing things and they come back. So we have something for kids we have something for educators we have uh something for families um and then this year we're actually taking some of this these same concepts modifying it a little bit and going into um some corporate work and organizational leadership and management awesome that sounds great um since we're coming to the end of this episode uh do you have any final comments or thoughts you'd like to share one of the things I want to put out to the world and ask this question is, do you think that social emotional learning and human development should be taught to educators or to students virtually, like not live virtually, but digitally with modules that they can click through or animated characters or, you know, I, we struggle as a company. Um, we look at our, our colleague competitors who are doing great work out there in SEL who have done digital um, content release. And um, we struggle with our integrity for us where we think that the things that young people especially are missing are these human connections and visual social cues and physical behavior, eye contact, life skills. And we think, we think that if it is taught through a lens and a screen, that we're missing the mark, right? That these are the things that we need to get when when we're teaching this content not science not social studies right we again back to our other conversation it's not going away and there's a lot of time for it but does anyone think that in this space of social and emotional development that teaching it digitally is not the most authentic way to go if you talk to employers now, right, because we're going into uh, corporate leadership and organizational management, the thing that they're struggling with is that this generation of young workers or employees, they are more comfortable working from home. They don't know how to collaborate. 
they think mostly for themselves and they're struggling uh, around productivity. And that becomes a conflict for an employer. And I think that we're responsible in K through 12, right? That's our job is to get them to the next level, whether they go to college or not, on how to be a worker who thinks critically, can collaborate, work with diverse people. And if we're doing that learning, mostly that especially learning through the computer, the iPhone, FaceTime, I think we're missing something. I'm not going to say another word until our next podcast. Okay, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a great segue <laughs> and a preview for some upcoming topics. Uh, I, I really and truly, I appreciate both of you for joining me today, um, sharing some of your knowledge, sharing the work that you're currently doing. And as far as to imagine that this is only like, what, like you said, four years old. So uh, I look forward to the additional products and resources you'll, you'll make available. Thank you for joining us for part two of our two-part series of episodes on the topic of helping students be resilient and having grit, featuring Julia Gabor and Michelle Pena with Kid Grit. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.